You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and welcome to episode 177. And uh, it's another fun week of native plant discussions. And this one's going to get into birds a little bit. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm, I'm excited about that too, only because, I mean, we know, we know people in the environmental field that are bird experts, but no one that's planning landscapes around what bird habitat you would need if you want to increase bird habitat. And that's something as when COVID hit and I started to become a birder myself and realizing that we had a good property for bird habitat and what I could do to improve bird habitat, I fell in love with it and realized I don't know anyone doing this. Mm -hmm. And then there is someone doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was one of the things we wanted to highlight this week. And, uh, and Fran, I know you're really excited about this one. So I'm really actually going to flip things on you oh, okay. and have you introduce our guest today. Well, I'm going to let the guest introduce himself. So, Tim, if uh, Tim, if you could tell everyone who you are and what you do. Oh, yeah. My name is Tim Mack. Um, I'm the owner and president of um, a company called Birdscaping Industries. And what we do is uh, we create high-octane um, backyards for, um, you know, for wild birds. And other in insects, pollinators, and animals in general. You know what I mean? It, which is which is such. It, it, it sounds normal to have this conversation, but it's such a right. unique business model because I I can't say that we have any other customers directly doing like what they do. They may be doing something that creates those things as a result of what they're doing. But it's not right. their main objective to do that, which I think is incredible and, and a fantastic need for it. Um, can mm-hmm. you tell us how you, you kind of – how your business came about and how you became interested in doing this? Well, it, it, it came about – it used to be uh, Tim's Birdscaping Service, right? Okay. So that, it was a, a sole proprietorship I had about 15 years ago. And it came about where, um, you know, I was on my on my birthday. You know, my wife usually gets me like cologne or pair of socks or something like that, <laughs> yeah. a robe or whatever. So I wanted a little something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, she was like, "Oh, how, how about a bird feeder?" I said, "That sounds that sounds pretty cool." You know what I mean? So we went into this uh, wild bird shop. <clears throat> I think it was Wild Bird Centers. We went in there. I didn't know too much about birds at all. I just love nature. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we went in. Um, I, I talked to a sales guy. I was like, listen, um, uh, I just want a, a bird feeder for beginners. So he pointed out this little tube feeder, and uh, he said, I'll get you some seed or whatever. Yeah, I put a, a specific type of seed in there. So, uh, you know, what you call premium seed. Yeah. So I said, okay, fine. He said, you just go in your backyard, hanging on, hanging on the tree, and then just watch things go. I said, okay, fine. That's, that sounds good. So um, went into my backyard, put that bird feeder up, filled it up with seed, 
And then two, three days later, I saw cardinals, chickadees, tough tip mouse, all that kind of stuff. It was great. You know what I mean? And I was addicted ever since, you know? So I just wanted to find out more and more about birds as, as the hobby went along. So you, you, know? and, so you, you, you got hooked the same way I, I kind of got hooked in our yard. It was, we had a couple bird feeders and yeah. I, I just couldn't stop watching and then wanting to know more. What, how did it progress from there? Well, progress. Okay. At first, it wasn't all that great. I mean, it was great at first. And then as time started to go along, then the squirrels kind of took over. You know what I mean? I said, okay. And they started to de- destroy the expensive feeder that my wife bought me for my birthday. So I went back to the wild bird shop and I said, hey, I'm having a squirrel problem. So we said, oh, okay, you're going to need a squirrel baffle. You're going to need a pole. This whole setup is pretty expensive too, but I bought it anyway. So I bought it, hooked it up. Squirrel problem was solved. Right. And so I began to see even a bigger diversity of birds, you know, because the squirrels used to scare the uh, birds away. You know what I mean? So the squirrel problem went away anyway. um, It was like I just wanted to find out more about, you know, more about cardinals, more about chickadees, more about. Uh, uh, downy woodpeckers and stuff like that, you know, how they lived, things of that nature. And um, so I, I picked up a book. I was to start doing research, and I found a book on birdscaping. Um, it was this uh, author. I forgot his name. He's from Australia. <laughs> okay. You know, and basically he was just talking about um, uh, plants and birds. That's it. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, this is interesting, you know. And I just started to uh, do my research, re- get more into it and stuff like that, and started uh, putting these plants in my yard and um, just started to see these birds come and everything. And I was addicted ever since. And I just started um, studying more, coming up with different types of concepts. And, and, and it just kind of like took off for me personally. It started off as a hobby, and then I just turned it into a business. That's I love that light bulb moment. When it hits, like I know for a lot of people, it was with Doug Tallamy when he starts explaining how many uh, like caterpillars a a chickadee needs to feed its young uh, and and what hosts those caterpillars. And it's like, oh, it's a white oak that's going to host the most Lepidoptera. It's that will make a change. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of it's funny how a lot of people don't associate that. And it's like I, I have a neighbor across the street that has bird feeders, but not one tree. (laughs) <laughs> not not yeah, really yeah. any shrub, but they love watching birds, but don't realizing yeah. they're not really providing a nesting habitat or anything like that or cover. Um, and it's exactly. just it's they're just at that beginning part, that beginning stage of it. And I'm trying not to interject interject myself. I'd love to say, you know, you could do this, but I'm trying to kind of let them they know what i do and they have a question they'll mm-hmm. ask i'm trying not to impose myself on their journey <laughs> yeah. too much and it's oh you go you go tim oh no no i'm sorry i'm just saying like you know it's just it's just like um sometimes when you watch a bird at a feeder you say okay I, i've seen this cardinal a hundred times i've seen this downy a hundred times at the feeder i mean i know there's more to it than just going out the feeder and eating some food I want to see what goes on in between all of that stuff. What happens in between all of that stuff? How, how do they nest? Where do they nest? What types of berries that they like? 
what type of seeds that they go for, what type of insects. They just don't go for Lepidoptera, but they go for other insects too. So um, a lot of times I try to uh, capture the in-between, in-between the shrub and the feeder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What goes on in between that? What, what makes it exciting? You know what I mean? So a lot of times I have to, you, you, when you're talking about um, birding and when you talk about backyard habitats and stuff like that, um, to people that are interested in feeding birds, you have to. It's like your duty to tell them, hey, this is the type of plant you need in your backyard. You know what I'm saying? You need If you like birds, you need this in your backyard in order for them to keep reproducing, in order for them to keep visiting. You know, they're visiting your backyard because of my backyard. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Plants in my, and that's why you have the birds at your feeder. Yeah. All right. You, you you talked me into it. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna gift them a native plant. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just the some of the stuff, Fran. I think it was more what you were saying. It reminds me of um, is the especially with like hummingbirds. And so many people get the hummingbird feeders and are really excited right. about them. And I had a a conversation with uh, a family friend of ours who lives down the street, and she was very upset with us that she didn't get any hummingbirds at her feeders anymore. Because they were all the plants, the the cardinal flower that we were growing in a big block down the street. I'm like, well, you could plant some of your own, and then maybe you'll get them here too. They like the flower more than the feeders, so. That's true. But yeah, she didn't think that way. She's just like, oh, it's your fault that I don't get hummingbirds anymore because you planted all these great plants. That was the aha moment for my wife, though, because she had a hummingbird feeder, and I guess she was upset when she was realizing, like, if you didn't maintain it, it could get too sugary and kind of make the the hummingbirds drunk. And I was like, you know, we we can just plant plants that will attract hummingbirds, and you don't have to worry about it. And and that was the first we planted one cardinal flower, and the first year it bloomed, we had hummingbirds, and we never looked back. That was that's right. Yeah, that's 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 see that's the thing that's what it's all about. You know, I have plenty of hummingbirds in my backyard, um, um, drinking from cardinal flower and um, bee balm and all of that stuff. And what what's cool about it is that, you know, it's like with these plants, they just don't produce food, mm-hmm. but they have other things that they do too. I mean, they provide color, they provide um, uh, they, they help with soil erosion. And the thing is, they'll keep producing food over and over and over and over again. They'll keep producing that nectar over and over and over again. And it, and it seems like the hummingbirds know when that nectar is ready. They'll come in, <laughs> in the morning. They'll take a little sip in the morning. And then they'll come in the afternoon uh, exactly around 2 o'clock. In my yard, they come at 2 o'clock exactly at 2. Wow. And that's when the nectar is ready. And they'll come sip some more. And then they'll come at 5 o'clock and do the same thing. And the plant will just keep reproducing this uh um this nectar form it's incredible man it's, it's just like it's therapeutic just watching that and they when i think about when you were talking about the interaction then i want to kind of go backwards a little bit because i know where i told you we'd get off topic <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. i had and I, I talked about this on the podcast uh probably about a month or two ago but we we're removing uh some invasives from our yard to to have a, a patio put in and we took out some uh rugosa rose and mm. For some reason, I, I I I didn't think about it. I didn't inspect the plants before I cut them down, and there mm. was a cardinal nest with two young car- cardinals in it. And I didn't realize it till like I cut them down. We went to move it, and then we saw the the baby birds on the ground, and the parents were freaking out. And 
you know, it was one of those moments I'm like, oh, no, what did I do? Like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. So, I, like, and of course, the first thing is, like, can I touch him? Is that a myth? Like, can I pick him up? Like, what? So we we took – I put gloves on. We took the nest out of the, the rows. We picked up each baby and put it back in the nest and then mm-hmm. kind of moved everything away and put the nest where the 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 bush had been. So the parents could see it and the parents were checking on it. But it was almost like they sounded out an alarm and like the bird community came to help. Mm. And at first I tried to move it. Like I, I put it in a planter and then I tried to move the planter, but they couldn't find it. So I was slowly moving it <laughs> like little by little. I moved the planter over a couple feet. Then I moved it up and eventually I put it in an Easter red cedar where the parents were able to find it. But as mm. the parents were going out, other birds were keeping – like they were sitting on the fence underneath the nest watching, like just oh. making sure that I wasn't disturbing it. I wasn't going near it. And one of the birds was a house wren, and we had oh. Emil DeVito in here from the New Jersey Conservation Foundation. He goes, they shouldn't have been helping. He goes, they'll eat the young of other birds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they were keeping me away from the nest and told that every time the cardinals came back, they would move away. Like there were robins oh. kind of like sounding a lot. It was – yeah. Like I was happy that they lived a week later that the, the babies flew out and everything was good. But it was an interaction just I wouldn't have witnessed with a bird, just a bird feeder. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. That That's what it's all about, man. Just going out there spontaneously, you know, um, getting into stuff, discovering stuff. You know what I mean? It's fun. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. You did what you had to do. <laughs> It was successful, so that makes you feel good. That makes you feel great. It made it made me feel better because I was the cause of the chaos. <laughs> so it's, I, good, good feeling though. It's a good feeling. You know what I mean? I felt I redeemed myself. So um, and those baby they're not going to forget you. They're going to they're going to return back uh, next year and probably nest in the same in the same uh, place they were born. And they're going to remember you. I hope so. so. That's a good I hope so. So let's talk about – you mentioned earlier that you, you've always loved nature uh, yeah. and and then like the, the bird the bird thing kind of progressed. Where did your connection from nature – was it from a, a kid? Is there a specific uh, thing that happened that kind of connected you with nature or did you always have that connection? Oh, um, um, definitely. When I was a kid, uh, we used to go upstate. Uh, you know, camping in the Catskills. My parents used to, my parents used to take us, uh, me and my sister, upstate uh, camping and stuff like that. We, I, I consider, you know, the, the Catskills as my hometown. Liberty, this little place called Swan Lake. Uh, we used to stay up there, like you know, um, during the summertime, during the, from spring to like the end of summer. Sometimes we used to go in the wintertime too. You know what I mean? So, but up there, me and my sister used to go out into the woods. And um, this was back in the 80s, man, early 80s. I'm talking about when everything was kind of like pure back in the day, (laughs) early, you know. Um, So we used to go out in the woods, uh, pick wild blueberries, you know, high-dose blueberries used to pick. We used to see a lot of, um, uh, you know, um, owls, uh, uh, bobcats, black bear. Um, We used to see a lot of, uh, um, we used to see a lot of cardinals, black bear. Uh, deer, uh, porcupines, skunks. I mean, it was just, it, it was just that. That was my connection right there when I was when I was a kid growing up camping. Wow. So yeah, yeah. That that that. that <laughs> so for me too, like in the eighties, like I think about for me, I grew up in a suburban area. There wasn't 
there wasn't a lot of wildlife. It was like your typical large scale suburban area. And, yeah. uh, but my dad was a fisherman and mm. like a, a lazy fisherman. He'd like to just put a bobber on, put it out, listen to a, a Phillies game, have a beer. And, <laughs> and we, uh, belonged to a local fish and hunt club that we would go to every weekend and just like, I, as a kid, I loved to fish, but I also, you know, as a kid, you get, you get a little bored, you get rambunctious and you just start exploring. And that's, yeah. that's some of my best memories of, of nature and wildlife is just walking through the woods just because I didn't right. want to fish anymore mm-hmm. and, and, and becoming connected. Yeah. So, fun, <laughs> so you, you have this love of birds, you're watching it progress in your yard, mm-hmm. but then you take a step to like aviculture. Right. How does like, so is it just that your interests keep progressing to the point where you want to know more and more and more and, and it becomes a business for you? Yeah, it was kind of strange because like after I developed the business, I said, I said to myself, I need to do something that will, you know, bring in more money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm not in it for the money, but at the end of the day, you got bills to pay. Yeah. You got family to feed and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it was like, uh, I got into agriculture. I was like, okay, let me just get into this aviary type of business. You know, um, I already know how to build these little habitats in my backyard so I can make it, I can, I, I can make it in a, like a micro form, just like how they do in the, in the zoos and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I started, I started to do that. I started to um, develop aviaries and um, selling them to um, different types of uh, uh, nursing homes and um, just throwing finches in there, decorating them, uh, decorating the in- interior of the aviary really nice, kind of make it look, uh, you know, like uh, as natural as possible. And, uh, you know, got a couple of contracts and, you know, try to do a little bit of both, a little bit of the natural, a little, a little bit of the indoor, a little bit of the outdoor, kind of balance it out. You know what I mean? The, so, is would you say for your outdoor projects, it is yeah. your average customer are are they coming to you already knowing what you do and what they want, or is it someone that's just starting to get that interest? Like, is it a more knowledgeable customer, or is it like a beginner that just maybe they don't even know what they want yet? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know a thing about native plants. All all they care about is like, okay, um, what plant attracts butterflies? What tra- what plant attracts um, um, birds? I don't care if it's native. I don't care if it's a cultivar. I don't care if it's a native bar. Just what attracts butterflies? What attracts this? What attracts that? That's all I care about. That's all they care about. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They don't about it. And then the conversation starts. And then once the conversation starts, then you you just uh, kind of build from there. You know what I mean? You, you say like, like for me, I say, you know, it's not just it's not just about the bird. You know, it's just, for example, it's not just about the chickadee, what the chickadee likes. It's about um, what the pollinators like. It's about um, what the insects like. And you just keep going kind of like up the ladder. You you. What I do is I try to put the bird, the wild bird, in the top of the food chain, okay. but focus on the bottom of it. You know what I mean? Just focus on the bottom of it and just try to uh, make that connection with the person at the same time. You know, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain. Is 
it's, no. it's kind of hard to say this. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's. Well, I think he kind of laid it out a little earlier because you're saying that it's the, a lot of the bird. It's about food, and if you don't have the bottom of the food chain, then it's never going to get to the top. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I I was going to ask you what your keys to building bird habitat, but you just pretty much laid it right out for us. I mean, because you're basically connecting that food web. Your mm-hmm. the birds need this. They need cover. They need food. What what do they eat? What, how can you create habitat for what they eat? Right, but it's, it's, it's not about it's not uh, just about the birds because a lot of times I could go out my yeah. backyard, I won't see any birds whatsoever. I'll hear them; they're around. They, they this is the, like their territory. You know, this is the place where they get food, and then they know it. So they're just hanging out, and they're very shy. They're prey. You know what I mean? So they're 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 roosting out. They're hiding out. A lot of times I'll go back there. I won't see any birds, but I'll see. I'll be entertained by a bumblebee flying all around the place, or by a, a wasp flying all around the place i'll be entertained by like um uh um um, what do you call that again um um some uh caterpillars eating up you know some um some foliage you know what i mean so it's like if you don't see if you don't see the birds you see the insects if you don't see the insects you see the birds and sometimes you see both you know you know what i mean so it's like it's so entertaining back there it's like a big party (laughs) (laughs) So I noticed on your website that you've kind of developed some secret combinations of, of plant material yeah. for certain habitats. Can you kind of talk about the, the different packages you have and, and how you kind of develop those? Well, I, I developed them with trial and error, you know, trial and error, just putting as, as many native plants I could get my hands on, putting them in the backyard and seeing what the birds like, seeing what the insects like, seeing what the pollinators like and whatever they gravitate towards. Um, uh, you know, whatever they gravitate towards, then what I do is combine them together and I say, hey, I combine the plants together and I say, hey, this this works for my region. This works for my backyard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this will work for anybody in my, uh, any yard in my community or maybe two, two or three mile radius w- w- where I live. You know what I mean? So it's just a lot of trial and error. Um, just watching, observing, being in the backyard all the time, seeing what the seeing what the birds like, seeing what the insects like. So, and then I just combine everything, and then that's how I come up with those secret combos. That's awesome. It has. Yeah. has and I, oh, I, I'm sorry. I will go back to another thing you said, where uh, with those combinations is so many people are just like, I just want butterflies, and then <laughs> right. it's like, oh, well, here you go, <laughs> have so have something that works <laughs> instead of having to decipher through. Well, this is a good plant for butterflies, and this is a good one, and this was you kind of have that that pre-built for them, which is really helpful, I think, in the education process, where you take some of the yep. decision paralysis out of it. It's like birds, butterflies, the hummingbirds, a lot of them, I'm sure, are probably a lot of the same plants. It's just mm-hmm. slightly different. You have a couple different things here, a couple of different things there, but it takes, for the end consumer, takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, um, for example, the um, the uh, um, the dogwoods, right? Silky dogwoods. Those berries. All right. Say you put you have silky dogwood and you have red twig dogwood and you have gray twig dogwood. All right. The berries are great on all of these um, um, different types of uh, uh, dogwoods. But this um, from what I've from what I've seen in my own backyard, 
the silky dogwood berry is the favorite. They go so fast. I mean, they don't even, the birds don't even wait until they ripen. They'll just, they'll just, it's, it's something about the uh, silky dogwood where um, the birds will just gobble them up, especially the cat birds. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, then they'll go for, then they'll go for like the uh, red twig. And then later on, they'll go for the, uh, the gray twig. But the silky twig, the silky dogwood is, is the most favorite out of all the dogwoods. It's amazing, though, because you do need to extend that food source for them throughout the winter. So it's amazing when you see, like, what they like first, what, you know, obviously some bloom or uh, berry earlier than others. Some they need, like, uh, uh, freeze and thaw to get sweeter. So it takes Mm -hmm. a while throughout the winter before they'll like that. Even it always amazes me with chokeberry because that's supposed to be yeah. the last one they eat. It's not their favorite, mm-hmm. so they'll save it till last. Always amazes right. me when you look and it, the fruit's gone. And yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a perfect example with the chokeberry. Chokeberry, you got the um, the black chokeberry and you got the red chokeberry. The birds prefer the the black chokeberry first. They'll chomp on that first, and they'll leave the the the, the red chokeberry for like way late into the winter way late into the uh, season and gobble it up if it's, if it's nothing else left. So that's like the, in my yard, that's the least favorite is the red, is the red chokeberry. That's the least favorite in my yard, mm-hmm. you know? But, but again, so, still fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Friend. No, it's okay. I'm just like, if you combine, say, say, okay. So that's how you come up with the combination. You'll say, okay, I'll, I want to put like a, a berry border just for birds. Right. So I use a silky dogwood. I'll use some silky dogwood and I'll use some black chokeberry. Boom, right there. That's your combination. That's what works in your yard. So, but it, it, it takes a lot of trial and error. And you got to purchase all your native berry producing plants. That's what you got to do. And you got to produce, you got to um, purchase all your um, native um, uh, producing nectar plants. Put them in there, see what works. Whatever works, you just buy abundance of, combine them together, and, you, and, and that's how you come with your own. Um, kind of formula. What works in your backyard? And and even those red choke berries are important because that's if that's the last thing they eat. Maybe at that point, that's the only food that's left. Uh, right. You know, you hit that late winter, so it it's always. I never really think about it as far as what they like first and what they like second. I, I'm enjoying this conversation because it's that really hadn't. Like I knew you want things to last them throughout the winter, but I hadn't thought about like right. their their line of preference of what right. they do, and I haven't really noticed that. Now I'm gonna be sitting out all winter looking in my backyard, seeing <laughs> seeing what goes first. Um, <laughs> do you, are you growing material yourself, or are you purchasing it? And if you're purchasing, are do you have trouble finding native plants to do this? Yeah, um, no, I don't grow them. I don't grow them at all. It's just too much work involved in that stuff. Um, I, I just, I, I, I love to purchase them, resell them and use them for projects and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, they, they, it's, it's very difficult to find native plants. You know, um, I, like I said, I stopped going to the big box stores. Um, um, to me, it's just, it's something personal. Mm-hmm. I don't like going to them. I um, had a bad experience going to them. Um, I like going out and uh, to the independent nurseries and, and looking for, um, you know, the stuff I need to get. Um, and, and if it, and it, and traveling is not an issue. I think it's all about the journey. 
You go you, if you have to travel fifty miles to go um, find what you want. It's it's kind of like it's fun for me. You go there, you find what you want, and it's kind of like you strike up a conversation. You come, you you bring your plant back home. You put it in your backyard, and you just uh, nurture it. You take care of it, and you see what's attracted to it, and you have more of a um, appreciation for for it because you had to travel twenty five miles to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had to go. Um, you had to um, plant it. You had to put this uh, uh, um, little fencing around it to protect it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you appreciate it more, and that's what it's all about. I'm glad. I don't have to just go down the block and just buy it. I mean, because it takes all the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. Now you're in an area where we have a quite a few listeners around there. If you wouldn't mm-hmm. mind, uh, would you list out some of your favorite nurseries you've traveled to in your area? Oh, um, in my area, well, well, there's a nursery in Long Island that I go to um, countryside uh, um, nurseries up in Long Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So that's the one I I usually get product from. Um, They're good people. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they're real cool. Um, also, I get plants from the um, uh, what's it call it? Uh, oh man, the, the the name just like no worries. Oh, it's fine. You I put you on you, the spot, you, <laughs> and you don't have to give all your sources <laughs> away either. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but well you guys soon you guys soon so all right awesome uh, but it's uh, i agree with you if you're just going like box stores have their place but it's like going to the supermarket like you're you're running in and picking something up quick you know they have everything you need you can grab a few things and go out but if you really have a thirst for knowledge and you want to learn more it gets you a little more invested when you start like you mentioned traveling to these places having meaningful conversations with people learning something new you're investing in keeping that plant alive at that point and um that's where a lot of the knowledge it's like that next step you want to go to these people that specialize this they know a little bit more they can help guide you a little bit it's uh i just had a customer today that we've been dealing with for a long time and she just had a quick question she's like you know i typically use this plant you don't have it available but i want to learn something new today what would you if you were me what would you put in its place and i was like oh that's an easy question and this right. I, I would do this and these are the reasons and she's like that's why i called <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh and and it's the same thing you're making that journey you're 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 taking time out and it becomes a it becomes a journey and that's mm-hmm. it's a better story right right exactly exactly so and uh, i'm sorry go ahead no 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 i was just saying like yeah i mean uh every plant that I planted in, in my backyard um, has a story to it. You know what I mean? As a personal, as a personal, um, I have a personal connection with, cause I went out, went out and got it. Um, I, I'm at war with rabbits right now. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I just put in this, I just put in this willow, right? This prairie willow. And it's all chopped up by, uh, uh, by one of them rabbits. So I had to go out, I had to buy the little uh, chicken wire, you know, going all around it and everything like that and try to protect it. I mean, because the ra- those rabbits are just feast feast upon your uh, your native plants. And I don't blame them. I mean, they're delicious, right? I mean, this is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to eat, supposed to eat these things, you know? You're- so 
you're you're you planting know. their food. You're planting exactly what they want to eat. Like they're they're coming to to dine out. And I I get it. We in the winter for us we can open a greenhouse door because it's warm. And if rabbits get in and we don't see them, and then we close the door, they could take out half a greenhouse overnight. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. And then no they're doubt. they're they're all full with their toothpick afterwards. <laughs> like <laughs> thank you, you know. But it's. <laughs> You know, but it's hard because that you're creating habitat for them. You're as well. Right. It's and it's just keeping everything alive long enough so that it it can do more good. They can still munch right. on it and not not take it out. Um, exactly. So, considering your journey started with a bird feeder and you mm-hmm. progressed to this, how have your feelings about bird feeders changed? No, it's just, it's just that I, I just, um, wish um, people would just like maintain them. Cause I, I sell feeders too, just okay. to just maintain them, clean them twice a week. You know, if not, if not twice a week, if you can't do it twice a week, clean them, maintain them once a week, buy some premium seed. Don't buy the junk seed that you get of those big box stores, um, clean underneath the feeders every, every other day. I mean, because you don't want rodents coming around and stuff like that, you know. I mean, because it just um, it just makes it harder, you know. It just it takes the fun out of out of the hobby when you see a rodent down there eating, you know, the built uh, seed or whatever. And if you buy quality seed, if you buy like premium seed, you're going to have quality backyard birds come, you know. Um, you know, just stay away from the the junk seed and stuff, you know what I mean? Just, and maintain, keep those feeders clean because, um, you know, a lot of diseases, a lot of the, um, bird droppings carry different types of pathogens and diseases and stuff like that and stuff like that towards other birds. So just keep them clean, just be responsible, you know, and you'll, you'll really enjoy the hobby. I think you're so the- I have no bird feeders whatsoever. I love them. <laughs> you're the first person I think that has ever mentioned bird feet or bird feeder maintenance to me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever yeah. had anyone mention that before. Mm. Yeah, you got to you you definitely got to maintain them. I mean, these are wild animals out there. These are wild birds. These birds are real um they they're very important to the uh, local ecosystem. So you need to make sure it's like if you're going to a restaurant, you go into a restaurant and you get seated at a I mean, uh uh, the plates and everything are nice and clean. The silverware is clean and everything like that. But the the table is dirty. I mean, you're like, come on, man, what's going on here? You know, somewhere else. So it's the same thing with a feeder. You can have clean seed, good quality seed, and uh, the purchase on them are, are, are full of poop. I mean, you gotta, you have to maintain your feeders. I, yeah, that it makes sense. I just don't know why I've never thought <laughs> thought about it before. What since since you've started like your hobby and working on you know you've turned it into a business and and obviously you you keep improving upon your yard. What's is there? Have you seen an increase in birds or a specific type of bird that you were like, yeah, this is why I'm doing it? Like, is there something that's shown up? Like, I can't believe I'm 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 getting this right now, or I can't believe I've seen this much diversity. Okay, so since my yard is like a is like a jungle. Right. And everything back there is uh, uh, natural. I, I have this thing called what you call a, a, a berry count every year okay. where I just put down um, the berries that are, are produced in my yard. It's like maybe 15, probably I would say between 15 and 16 different types 
are native berries back there, you know? So <clears throat> at the end of the year, I do this thing called berry count. So I got a lot of berries back there, a lot of um, uh, seeds, um, crazy diversity of insects back there. So um, the thing is, um, a lot of the times I don't even see new birds. I just see the common backyard birds. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's birds there from, you know, like Orioles and stuff like that. I just don't see them. They just do a, 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 such a great job of camouflaging themselves or not singing at all. But, you know, just 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 being back there. I mean, it's just um, I know they're there, but I just don't see them. So I know it's diversity there because the berries are gone, you know, and I know they're not just being eaten by the catbirds and robins, you know. Um, so. No, I just see the common yeah. stuff. That's I, I use the Cornell Labs ID, you know, and I on a Sunday, like I'll look and see, you know, there's 20 different birds and and maybe half of them I've never actually seen in the yard, but you're hearing them. It's mm-hmm. identifying them, and it drives me like I, I'd like to see them. <laughs> I'll sit out there as quiet as possible with my camera, just like waiting to get a glimpse. But it's um, just not meant to be. <laughs> yeah. They're they're not that you're like I'm not going to be a fool and go out there and try to eat in front of this guy. You know, what I mean? they're smart. They're smarter than you think. So, you know? so since you started doing what you do, have you seen more of a demand? Like you were saying, like the average customer may not know a lot about native plants, but as, are, are you seeing uh, like more people like seeking you out? Kind of, sort of. I mean, it's not really promoted as much. I mean, with the butterfly, with the with the monarch butterfly thing going on, um, <clears throat> it's kind of being more and more um, um, out there, like, hey, how important native plants are and stuff like that. But to tell you the truth, I think a, a lot of people that I come across, a lot of customers that I come across, they're just so busy. It's just that they don't really want to, because not everybody likes bugs. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody likes birds. You know what I mean? People just like flowers, strictly flowers. Oh, I just want things to look pretty. That's it. They don't really care about um, uh, ecology or whatever. They don't. They just don't care. But they just want something. Okay, what can I do to attract butterflies? Okay, some people will just say, oh, they're just buying milkweed. No, it's other things in between all of that. Milkweed is is, is one thing, but milk milkweed is one thing. But what about when it? Uh, with the with the butterfly nectars on, and nectars on a, a whole different variety of, of of native plants. You know what I mean? So it's just that the people I come across a lot, they really don't care unless you have that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And once they realize how important native plants are, um, you know, then they'll get a little bit more into it. But little by little, it's just like pieces at a time. It's not like a whole big chart. Oh, okay, I want to transform my yard just like tomorrow. You know what I mean? It takes it, it, it takes a little bit of uh, it takes a little bit of time to to um, you know have them to convince them how important native plants are, and they're super super duper important. You know, and once you find out how important it is, then that's when you start. You know want to transform everything in your yard natives. I mean, you, you, you ready to chop down a, a 60 foot <laughs> Norway maple, you know I mean? <laughs> like a birch, you know, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. And it's, it's something 
you know, when when we create as much content as we do for social media, and if I haven't told you, I really enjoy the content that you put up on LinkedIn. I don't know if you're mm. putting it on any other social media where our our listeners can follow, but you put out some fantastic content, video content. Um, Thanks. The I find myself when I'm talking about wildlife uh, benefits of certain mm-hmm. plants in videos or content that I I kind of edit myself because I'm like, oh, this this wildlife may not be what people consider desirable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like even squirrels. Like I'm like, do I mention that that squirrels are attracted to this? Because a lot of people are really like, I don't want squirrels in my yard. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I'm, yeah. For, you know, and they hear that, and then all of a sudden, the rest of the video is just they're not, they're not thinking about. It. They're ever like, well, I'm done. I don't want squirrels. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'll be surprised how picky some people are, man. You'll be surprised, but it, but it's all about it, it. It's a lot of times it's not about it's not about us anymore. You know, it's about you know um, wildlife right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, because out there it's just so sterile. It's so sterile out there. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example, right? Um, in my neighbor's yard is like pristine. It's flowers everywhere. They have the the, the landscaper comes every week, mows the lawn. Everything is so nice and pretty. He had a, a a barbecue the other day, you know, um, and I dropped a piece of a hot dog bun on the grass, on the ground. You know what I mean? And, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I picked it up like maybe 10 minutes later. Not one insect on it. Mm, not one, wow. not uh, 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 um, uh, uh, ants, not one bug, nothing. It was just like, what? I can eat it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try, try doing that in my backyard. Try dropping some food in my backyard. Within minutes, you're gonna have all different kinds of bugs and, and and ants on it. Just you know. So, you know, to me, that's a scary thing. You go mm-hmm. into somebody's yard and you don't see any bugs. That's scary. Yeah. You know. My wife and I actually were just having this conversation yesterday in the car, and um, <clears throat> because a lot of these like things that are just so cherished by society. They like the lawn and, and the landscaping and all that are so modern. Um, it, it feels like it's something that you couldn't live without, but it's such a luxury that really only goes back 70 years, 80 years. Um, there's a whole litany of things, and we've talked about a lot of them on our podcast before, but it's just like, to me, I look at it and say, man, we were we were really kind of sold on something that, isn't important and doesn't really matter. Well, not uh, we have because or like my generation has because of our parents and really their parents. That's what they strived for, but it doesn't go any further than that. And um, and it was really in my mind. A lot of it was just so someone else could make a couple extra bucks. Like you need you need to have the nice lawn and you need the landscaper because the landscaper needs to make money, right? If you don't, right. Have, but if you don't have the lawn, then what's the landscaper gonna do? Um, mm. It's a lot of it was just uh, so someone else could could make a buck or two, and that. But you need to get rid of all the insects around your house because you could get sick, which is is true to an extent. But it's been way oversold that we even got into mosquitoes and mosquito spraying, and like the threat of of. And I'm not an expert on this by any means, but like the threat of West Nile and Zika, and like I was telling her, well, the county comes around and sprays for a lot of this stuff. Because there's mm. the threat of West Nile and Zika. I'm like, Zika's not a thing up here. Like, it's such a minute, minute chance of, of someone getting Zika in our area, even West Nile. 
but it's just we were so petrified um, as a as a generalization or general population, so petrified that that could happen. And I'm not saying it's a minor thing if someone is to get those illnesses because they're obviously very severe and it's important to those individuals. But as a mm. as a group, it's, it's such a like less than one percent thing that we're so invested in. So and yeah, time and money and. We kind of had yeah. this conversation before we started rolling tape about just there's a lot of voices out there spreading information. Like yeah. we're we're all here spreading kind of the same message, and our voices are only so loud. But there's yeah. a lot of money behind some of these industries, yeah. you know, spreading a different message of yeah. what they want you to hear. Oh, actually, yeah, and that's I guess that's what I'm getting at is yeah. you have the 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 pest companies want you to think that your life is at risk because there's pests around <laughs> your house. Because right. then you're going to hire them to come out and get rid of them. Um, right. There's a, f- a heavy financial incentive for that. Where in my mind, it's really not. I don't want, like again. I don't want to say it's not a big deal, but it's it's not as big of a deal as they're selling it. Um, and it, yeah. you, you know, the whole thing is when you have these issues, it's an ecosystem out of balance. So the best way to fix it is balance it. But a lot of the surfaces they offer are doing the opposite they're they're mm-hmm. putting them more right. out of balance and i i shared this on one of the last podcasts but i had a really good talk with my neighbor about mosquitoes and there was um that the company was eco shield and that the guy actually startled me walked right into my backyard which i wasn't <laughs> expecting and uh you know he was trying to tell me that they were they, they were they take care of bugs but it's non-toxic and I was like, wow, you're really talking to the wrong guy because if you're killing bugs, it's toxic. And he goes, but it's organic. I'm like, doesn't mean that that is not toxic. It's just your approach. And I'm yeah. I'm like, you know, the mosquitoes, we have a bat population that feed on the mosquitoes. Right. So right. Um, you, you knock them down or, or you, you make them sick and the bats start eating it. I don't want to see a decline in its natural predators. Um, right. And I had this conversation with the neighbor. He's like, well, what can I do? And I go, well, there's a stream in our backyard where they're breeding. So as long as that stream is there, you're always going to have mosquitoes. But what you're doing is killing what's in your yard but killing everything, killing the predators so that when the mosquitoes come back, the problem is even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm like, there's little steps. They're like, what can we do? I'm like, there's little steps. You know, you want to build up that bat population. I'm like, but it's killing – the things that the birds eat also it's killing everything it's it's poisoning yep. the whole the whole ecosystem and i'm like you know use a citronella candle like have a mm-hmm. have a fire like just start a fire pit like keep them away let stop spraying so you can build up the natural predators but those right. that those companies have a much bigger voice than what we have mm-hmm. and it's hard to combat that and it's when they hear that voice first then they question well who's right <laughs> you know, it's yeah. you're saying two different things. Who do I believe? Yeah, that, 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 that's the thing. And and also, it's not just bats. I, I have bats and little brown bats in my backyard too. Um, but also dragonflies. Dragonflies love uh, mosquitoes. I see dragonflies all the time in my yard. And uh, the thing is, is this: it's like <clears throat> um, if you don't see any bugs in your backyard. It's, it's too sterile. It's like, it's, it, that's that's a bad thing now. I mean, to us, if you don't see bugs in your backyard, that's a bad thing. If if you see bugs in your backyard, 
it's great. It's awesome. It's mm-hmm. fun. I don't see where the, um, I mean, because I'm into this thing called conservation bi- biological control. Um, the Xerxes Society always talks about conservation biological control agents. So I have a lot of lace wings in my backyard, naturally in my backyard, ladybugs in my backyard. You see the metamorphosis of ladybugs back there. Um, you see wasps coming around probing, like um, going around looking around for um, for prey. They'll go into and, and, and look at each and every plant looking for um, uh, larvae, okay? So, and, and eggs, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's just cool to watch, and it's fun to watch. So, um, just like, for example, if I was to put in some swamp milkweed, you see a whole bunch of aphids on there. I love when I see aphids because I know, hey, that's that's food for the wasps and that's food for the ladybugs. I know they're going to be all annihilated within a week or two. You know what I mean? So that it, it's, it's just entertaining. But when you when you start spraying and doing all that stuff, it's just going to get washed into the waterways, and it's just a temporary fix. It's not going to get rid of the bug problem. Maybe you'll get rid of the bug problem for a week or two, but they'll come right back. Then what you want to do? You want to keep spraying and spraying and spraying? It's, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that was one of the conversations I had too. I'm like, you know, mosquitoes actually like English ivy, and you have English ivy in your backyard. If, if you take – take out some of that English ivy that's less habitat for the yeah. mosquitoes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and you build up other good habitats. So it was a good conversation mm-hmm. that had this person not stopped by, we may not have had this talk. Right. And I know they're thinking about it a little differently, which I'm glad they are. And it's mm-hmm. – but it was like, hey, this guy told me this and you're telling me something different. Who do I, who do I believe? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not – I'm not having as much of a problem as you are, and we live right next to each other. Right now, you have right. a plant mix for biological control, also, right? Is am I correct? Yeah, all the um, like the stuff. Like I, I, I read a lot of books from Heather Holm. Um, she's also a connection on the um, on LinkedIn. So I bought a whole bunch of her books and stuff like that. And um, basically, it's just like simple. Any flower that. Um, any plant that has small little flowers or um, conservation biological will attract conservation biological control agents, especially plants like yarrow. Um, you got and, and milkweed. Milkweed is the top top dog when it comes to attracting biological control agents. So you put a lot of milkweed back there. Different kinds. Swamp milkweed is my favorite. Common, not really. You don't put common. Put common in a pot. But swamp milkweed definitely. Um, uh, also, um, dogwood, dogwood flowers attract um, conservation biological control agents, and so you gotta have those. You gotta have those uh, those security guards out there, man, protecting your <laughs> protecting your crops. You gotta have them, and when they come, they look so cool. When they come around, they look so cool. So, and and they, their job is just to go around um, uh, eating, um, you know, eggs and and bad bugs. You know what I'm saying? So. So that's the thing. That's why I'm conservation biological control agents because they protect the plants, and this way, um, they protect they protect the food food producing plants and berry producing plants. Then the bumblebees will come, pollinate it, and then it gets turned into a berry, and then the birds will come. And the birds know what's up. That's why the birds really don't eat um, bees because they know, hey, we need these guys to pollinate the the shrubs and flowers and stuff like that that we're going to feast on later. They don't bother them. It's it's creating that balanced ecosystem 
to keep everything yeah. in check. As long as it's balanced, it kind of works. We even uh, know of more and more nurseries using biological control. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our friends at North Creek were yeah. saying they, oh, yeah. they release a lot of beneficial insects on the crops to mm-hmm. help help keep it balanced. Because in, in a nursery, it's probably the most unbalanced ecosystem you can yeah. imagine because it's all monoculture. It's – you know, 10,000 of, of this item, 10,000 of that item. So it's right, right. how can you do it? How can you do it the most uh, beneficial way possible? Um, mm-hmm. Which which isn't easy. We we just learned, uh, I'm sure Tom and I will talk about this more on a on a buzz, but uh, we had a couple customers ask us, the, the government wanted plants bought from a certified pesticide and herbicide-free nursery. Mm. Which is wonderful. Like that sounds wonderful. But I'm like, yeah. oh, if if you know, we're we use it sparingly. You know, we don't use neonics, but I, I can't imagine having a saleable crop <laughs> of plants yeah. if you took all the tools out of the toolbox. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but but I'm saying this. But I'm saying in, in as far as um in your backyard, seeing a production in your backyard, witnessing it, and watching it. It's extremely entertaining just going back there. I mean, you can have a stressful day. You could go back there. Like I said, if you don't see, if I don't see any birds, I'm watching um, the insects do their thing. And the biological control insects are just like the, um, like the, like the ladybugs, the wasps. They're amazing. They're not going to bother you. They don't, they don't want you. They want, they want the, the bad guys, you know, they're going after you. So it's just fun. It's just entertaining to watch. So you have these native plants in your backyard. You're going to be entertained in some way, shape, or form. You know they're not going to. And then mosquitoes bother you. Just, just kill them. Just take your hand and slap them on. You know, just swat them down. And and also when you talk about these pests, right? With the um, uh, what do you call those? Um, the lantern flies. Yeah. Only had like only seen three in my backyard this year. Just three. Okay, because I got there's so many predators back there. The, the, it'll be this is like the least ideal place you will want a a a a fly will want to um, you know lay their eggs. Okay, mm-hmm. you know because I got birches back there. I got river birches back there. I got paper birches back there. I got all different kinds of things that uh, I got uh, maples, uh, red maples back there. Um, so. There's plenty of food back there for the lacewing, but they went, they not the lacewing, but the uh, lantern fly, but they wouldn't dare come over here. They wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I had, like, I noticed a lot of young, I think it was like the second instar stage. Like, I had them all over my Virginia rose. I probably counted like 50. I have not seen one adult. So either they left right. or something took care of them. Some took care of them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's it's just spreading the good word about, Balancing that ecosystem. Tom swears that if I don't come in to work one day, it's either going to be yeah. – I'm going to be yeah. knocked off by either someone from the, the honey industry or or the uh, the the, uh, the spray control yeah. industry. Yeah. I know there were three. I can't remember. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> the, the uh, big horticulture is yeah. going to get you. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cultivars. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the thing is when you think about it, right, like – like the average backyard, um, you know, the trees and shrubs and the average backyard, I would say shrubs and plants. I won't really say trees because a lot of these trees um, were planted maybe 50 years ago, 20 years ago. So there's a lot of mature trees in, in, in suburbs. 
but um, mature uh, native trees in the suburbs. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to shrubs and plants, a lot of these shrubs and plants are from um, Asia, right? So the lanternfly is from Asia. So if you have the majority of the, the plants in your community from there, this is like the ideal habitat for the um, for the lanternfly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you're seeing an abundance of them because um, you have, you know, you basically brought their habitat here. So that's why you have this, uh, 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 what do you call that? Uh, this huge population of them. You know, that's that's the problem. They they came over and had everything they needed, and everything. with no no built up predators at all, which that's slowly right. happening. Right, right, it's slowly happening. But um, I, I, I've noticed, I've seen a couple of of those little nymphs um, on the. Uh, they like the uh, uh, wild grape. They love wild grape. Mm-hmm. Yep, I yep. see them on Virginia creeper sometimes. You know what I mean? So they like those kind of uh, they like those kind of plants. But like I said, I only seen three adults in my backyard this year. That's you a know? good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. The one message that you keep giving that I love, uh, and and you're saying it repeatedly, which which in different ways, is that it's great to build this habitat, but you have to interact mm-hmm. with it and you have to be a part of it. You have to observe it and just see. Right. Yeah, and not too many. I think that's the one aspect that so many people forget is that right. you, you don't just build it and walk away. Like, how's it? How's it interacting? How do you interact with it? How how are you a part of it? And it's 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 a lot of things that sometimes I even forget to do. And it's sometimes it's just yesterday my wife and I were out and she made me stop and just lay down in the lawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, just stop, just stop, stop what you're doing. Give me five minutes. Just lay down mm-hmm. and look, <laughs> look at the sky, yeah. look at the plants, look at what's going on. And right. I, I begrudge I was busy and I did it begrudgingly. And then after I sat there for a couple minutes, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out for ten or fifteen minutes and enjoy this. Mm. I, I forget to, forget to be a part of it sometimes. Yeah, that's what it's all. That's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, and that's what you're building it for. You're not just building it for the animals, but and and um, um, the ecosystem. But you're building it for you're building it for yourself. It's just that you can just go back, go back there and, and relax and just watch something organic going on. I mean, you're so used to seeing cars and, you know, computers and things like that. I mean, and watching TV. I mean, you know, you just want to see something organic going on. So mm-hmm. you go in your back and you'll be fully entertained. <laughs> do you do you have a favorite customer su- success story? Uh, maybe someone that didn't know a lot about native plants or, or birds and, and they had an op. Like you got to be part of their aha moment. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny um, because um, this was a years back. I had I had sold a, a bird feeder to a customer the whole the whole kit the whole setup. Okay, and you know, um, so she bought the feeder. She started feeding the birds. She automatically she became she, she got addicted to feeding them. You know, she was spending less and less time. With her husband and more more time <laughs> watching the birds from her window, feeding them like every week. 
just like throwing um, uh, like five pounds of feed in there every week, just watching. Just took a whole bunch of pictures uh, of uh, hawks, red-tailed hawks, believe it or not, wow. perched fence, uh, cardinals, beautiful um, pictures of, of cardinals and uh, chickadees and uh, nut hatches. Real nice photos, you know. And uh, so it got to the point to where she couldn't afford the seed anymore. You know what I mean? She kept just saying, look, listen, Tim, it was almost like she was uh, on some type of, you know, substance or whatever. Hey, Tim, Tim, can you can um, just give me uh, 20 pounds of seed? I'll give you the money later. I, I said, okay, no problem. I did that a few times. One time she didn't pay. I'm like, oh, man, I said, okay, listen, this, this, this has to stop, you know. I mean, this has to <laughs> to the point to where like I don't want to be I don't want you calling me anymore because I already know you don't have the dough so what what can I do right so uh, basically I, I went over to her I said listen um, feeding feeding um, backyard birds in a feeder that's one aspect that's one thing but maybe if, if you just invest that same money that you did with the seed and you buy some plants with it buy some native plants with it You'll, you'll be just as entertained. The birds will still come to your yard and everything like that. You know what I mean? So what I did was um, she had a few hundred dollars. She saved up. She took my advice. Um, I went out. I got some high and low bush um, blueberry plants. And I also got some willows, you know, some uh, pussy willows, high and low uh, um, uh, blueberry shrubs and plants. I planted it like in, in a backyard along the fence, made it look really nice and everything like that. She had the flowers. It looked good. She had the color, everything. And then she had the birds. The birds will come to the, like, when it comes to um, blueberries, there's something about blueberries, mm-hmm. man, that the, the birds just absolutely will go crazy over. The berry-producing, I mean, the uh, berry-loving birds just absolutely love, like the like the, the, like the catbirds, the robins, uh, the cardinals. So she started seeing them. She started seeing them, you know, uh, eat naturally. And so uh, she did a, a little combination of both. She fed the birds um, um, through the feeder like once every two weeks. And then all the other times she was just um, paying attention to uh, the shrub, the shrub area that, you know, the, um, the shrub border that I uh, put in for. And if the berries weren't there, they were underneath, you know, looking for insects. They were underneath the, uh, the, the shrubs looking for insects and stuff like that. So, you know, that was kind of a successful type of uh, thing. It was cool. It was cool to see because she thought it was no other alternative. She thought the only way the birds are going to come to her yard is from her feeder. You know what I mean? And I was just telling, I was like, listen, the, the only reason why the birds are there is because of the m- mature trees that you have in your backyard or maybe the uh, the native shrubs that are maybe a, a couple of hundred yards away, you know, and they just saw the opportunity that you had with this uh, with this feeder, they took it as a snack, and they just come and keep snacking over there. So I was just I was just telling her, you know, there's other alternatives. So let me just um, put these uh, uh, shrubs in, and um, you know, everything came out good. Everything was you know, she's happy now. She doesn't, you know, uh, she's still a customer the, then. She's still a customer, but don't she doesn't purchase as much seed anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of it's you know it, it it worked out both ways because she wasn't paying me anyway. For the <laughs> you know what I mean? So she's satisfied. I'm satisfied. She got a she got a little um 
little uh, 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 shrub border, native shrub border that she's happy with. I'm happy that she got the plants from me, and so it's all good. Oh, that's wonderful. And I agree with you. Blueberry, when, when the blueberry fruits in my yard, it's gone in a day. Yeah. Like, easily. Yeah. Like the bird know, the birds know exactly when it's ripe. Our propagator says he experiences that with sassafras. Like he'll go out and look and it's like, I need to collect, but it's maybe needs like three or four more days to ripen up. And he's like, I'll go out in three or four more days and it's gone. Right. Right. It's gone. <laughs> well, that was good about that. I mean, in my backyard too, you have a huge uh, blueberry patch. Um, the thing is, what's cool about that is that, you know, uh, you know, that these, uh, that the seeds, from these uh, 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 fruits or these berries are going to be dispersed, you know, throughout the, throughout the community, and hopefully, you know, uh, one of these uh, 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 seeds will, you know, uh, grow into a nice native shrub. You that's, know what I mean? So that's yeah. that's a nice change instead of burning bush or, or barberry having it oh, be yeah. black cherry. For for us, our neighbors have a, a black cherry tree that kind of volunteered on its own and this year was the first year it was old enough to produce fruit because i think it takes like 15 years to produce fruit and the birds were literally fight we walked in the backyard to find out what was going on and the mm. birds were fighting fighting over the <laughs> the black cherries yeah i have i have three mature black cherry trees in my um my backyard my neighbor has one and i have i have two one that i transplanted which was crazy difficult to do it was it was small but i transplanted it successfully and it's grown now is about uh, about forty feet. It's producing fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after five years, it, it produces fruit. Oh, awesome. you know, after, okay. It's because it grows fast. It grows really fast. And um, yeah, so I got like it's, it's like three of my yard, and uh, they're, they're they're great. They just make a mess. I mean, you just gotta know where to plant them. I mean, it's not cool to plant them near a driveway. You have to plant them in your yard somewhere in the corner because when those when those berries when those uh, berries start developing, they start you know dropping all over the place, man. It's like um, you know, but it's a it's a cool tree. Definitely, it's a cool tree. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting their journey if they want to? Uh, attract more birds or if they're interested in birds or even just trying to find their place in nature. What ad, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? Well, I would, I would say don't, don't try to, you know, let, instead of going out and trying to find your, your place in nature, let, let nature kind of find its place for you. You know what I mean? Just go out there and give nature the opportunity, you know, and nature is going to let you know um, what you're interested in. You know, nature's definitely going to let you know whether it's amphibians, whether it's birds, whether it's insects. Let nature's going to let you know. You just got to give it. You just got to give it a chance. And if you don't have a, a park in your backyard, I mean, not in your backyard. If you don't have a plant in your, if you don't have a park in your community, um, uh, if uh, if you have a backyard, you can create your own park in your backyard. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and just just see what happens. I mean, you love it. You just got to give it a chance, man. You can't. I mean, if you try to keep to keep a, a, a yard looking pretty all the time, right? It's first of all, it's expensive. Second of all, is is back there is boring, right? Third, it's only going to look colorful and nice and neat, but it's 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 not. You can't enjoy it because you constantly gotta, you know, maintain it and spend money on it and stuff like that. It's like, 
I mean, that takes all the fun out of it, you know? I mean, me, myself, a lot of times when I'm putting in habitats, I want the, uh, 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 the, the, the client to go down there and get dirty. I want the client to, you know, prune here and there. I want the, the, the client to dig and stuff like that because that's where it's just, it's just fun that way, you know? And, um, I would just, I would just say, just, just, just give nature a chance. Let, let nature choose it for you. Don't go out and look for it. Man, that's such great advice. And, and it's, and, and another, in another way too, it's like rethink pretty, rethink what, what a yard should look like. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this manicured lawn. Like it's, there's so many options. No, it, it, like all the, all the yards look the same. Like, okay. In your yard, you're going to have, in an average yard, you want to have what they have in the big box stores. So Leyland Cypress, the Azaleas, you know, Asian Azalea, and the Rhododendrons and all that other stuff. You want to have it. Everybody's yard looks the same. Everybody's yard looks the same. And so that's why it's quiet everywhere, because every yard looks the same. It's not entertaining. So if you want to be different, go to a native um, a plant nursery or your local mom and pop shop, get that native plant, put it back there. And, I mean, within within hours, if not within days, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. You know, you're going to see a, 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 a butterfly. You're going to see a bird. You're going to see a bumblebee. You're going to see a wasp. You're going to see something. You know what I mean? Just put the, the native plants out here for a reason, you know? And um, they may not look nice, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. They look nice to me. I just like the wild look. You know, I think... I just, I, I just like the wild look. I mean, <laughs> I think that's too neat. I think that's all subjective. I, I had a talk with another grower, and we were talking about native plants, and I, I gave him a list to look at. And I think his perception was that they're not showy and that they're not pretty. Yeah. yeah. And then he looked at the list. He's like, oh, well, I've grown all these. I've just grown cultivars. And, and I'm like, that doesn't mean that the cultivar is prettier than this. So you're familiar with these, and 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 you think – you know, you see the value. You just have that inkling in your head that a native plant is a weed. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't, that's the thing. That's the thing I don't get. I, I don't know where this. Uh, I think the industry, the industry giants, created this like whole culture of, you know, what's pretty and, and what's not pretty. You know, and and, and it's a shame because. The ones that are so-called pretty are the ones that's being promoted a lot, right? And then when crisis happens, when you have this, uh, uh, um, the population of butterflies, the population of birds, when, when they go down, I mean, they're blaming, they blaming um, uh, the the average gardener, they blaming society, and it's not society's fault. These big box stores are putting this stuff out there and they promoting it. Of course, you're going to buy whatever whatever's popular, whatever's popping. They're like, oh, I'm going to get that. You know what I mean? So it's like it's it's treated almost like uh, designer clothing. And and yeah. Tom has mentioned this. It's like a, a mm-hmm. lifestyle. Like yeah. you see it in a magazine in a certain setting, and you're like, oh, I would like to be. I I would like my yard to look like that yard, or mm-hmm. or have people think of my yard. It's kind of like. When you see mm-hmm. see that model wearing a certain pair of jeans, and you're like, I want to look like that. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Right. it's and it's um the I, I had a, a representative from a, a big brand tell me this um, that they wanted it to be a lifestyle brand. They're 
what their product was. They wanted to be a lifestyle brand. And the commercial is actually really similar to like a uh, a like perfume or cologne commercial where you don't actually know what they're selling until they're like Aqua de Joe at the end. It's like almost the same commercial except it's just about a plant instead of. It has, but it has it's like showing the the old school wooden boat that's all polished up and the dock and like the beach mm. house and but the plant is like a part of the that lifestyle thing and if you have this which is it's realistically it's it someone after your dollars one which is not an issue but um but it's also it's working, which is a big thing. So many yeah. people I talk to are just conventional, like in the conventional landscape. They're like, oh, I need this. I need that plant. And I'm like, well, and it's just like that. I want that look. And it's the look they've seen in the magazines or they've seen in these commercials. And it's what they want. So, yeah. Yeah, but you, you want to be popular amongst your friends or you yeah. want to be popular with the birds? I want to be popular amongst the birds, man. I want to yeah. be popular amongst cardinals and the chickadees and the tough tip mouse and the nut hatches and the insects. I want to be popular amongst them that, you know, because they, you know, um, that's the life I want to attract. Oh, and if yeah. I'm popular with them, then I'm going to be naturally, I'm going to be popular amongst people too. I'll be like, Hey, you know, check out this, um, these pictures I got of these minor butterflies feasting on this, uh, 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 on this uh, milkweed. They go like, really? Okay, yeah, come to my backyard, boom. And then everybody would know, oh, I heard you got all these uh, different type of insects. Let's go back there. Let's check them out. You know what I'm saying? Ladybugs, you got ladybugs? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey. I'm, I'm, I'm writing this down because I want to remember this. I, I want to be able to quote you on that. I want to be popular among the birds. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you want the birds, of yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's a really important message. Is um, it's just you shouldn't have to care about what other people think. It's it. I it was the book Sapiens. I'm getting way off topic. No, it's here. okay. There's the book. I think it was the book Sapiens. I'm pretty sure. But it was talking about how back before, well, way before, like TV and social media and all that, it was like. I, when you're in, when they were people were in tribes, you were only compared to the people in your tribe. So if you were like an 18 year old guy, what was good time for you? Because like you're being compared to the 10 other men in your tribe, and one of them's like in his 60s, and then you have a couple that are really little, and so he's yeah, you're you're the the one. But then eventually newspapers came around. Now you're getting compared a little bit outside of that circle because they hear about uh, there's some kind of celebrity that starts to form. And then that turned into TV and movies, and then okay, well now, okay, I live in my small town of a thousand people, but I'm also being compared to I can't think of a movie star from back in the '50s, friend. That's your day and age, so why don't you pick one? A Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're being compared to those kind of folks, and then uh, now it's like you're sitting, you're 17 years old in high school, and you're being compared to the entire world. It's um, and how it's just it's really it our human brains aren't supposed to work that way. And, um, and we're just constantly striving for something outside of that. And it's really hard to not care what other people think. Some people are better than others, but it's like, just not human to not care what other people think. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you want to be like, you don't want to be the outsider. You want to be like everyone else, but it's really important to 
embrace that when it comes to ecology and your yard. See, that's what you need to tell yeah. your wife when she asks you to do something <laughs> different. Just say, our yard doesn't look like anyone else's around here. Yeah, yeah well, I do. She didn't like that. <laughs> She, she, we, that was our conversation yesterday, Fran, in the car. Is why does our yard not look like anyone else's? And, and also, and also, keep. You ever heard of that phrase? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep everything simple, because I, I feel like you know, in the in the business that we're in, right? It's it's too scientific. Yeah. It's too oh sci- yeah. You got the. You got the. To, I like to um, just say. You know, as far as when when I'm shopping for plants, is this a straight species or is it a cultivar or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's just keep it simple. Uh, a lot of the uh, scientific names of plants I can't pronounce. I'm like I'm seeing like you know 15 alphabets, you know, one word. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah. pronounce that thing. Is this species or what? Oh yeah, species. Okay, boom, I want it. You know what I mean? Just keep it simple. This is species. It's, it's a it's a plant. It's it's a straight species, and this is what's or what it's going to attract. You know, you want the average person just to know it's just so simple. You know what I'm saying? And it's really no work. There's no effort into it. You, you're telling me I could get ladybugs just by putting this down? Okay, I want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know any of the scientific terms, any of that stuff. If this thing is going to attract ladybugs, I want it. I'll put it in my backyard and see what happens. You know, I'll put it next to my tomato plants. I'll put it next to my collard greens or whatever that I'm planting if, if it's going to attract ladybugs. And um, and it's a native. I'll put it in, boom, that's it. I don't care about the scientific names. Because just imagine going to a store and be like, okay, I would like some buckets, blah, 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 this, this, and that. What? I don't even know how to pronounce that bucket. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And, um, you know, um, get that scientific stuff out of it. Because at the end of the day, it is simple. Mm-hmm. It's a simple, it's, it's a simple um, thing. You just put a plant in the ground, a plant that belongs there and watch what happens. And it's as simple as that. Well, that's what drew me to this side of the industry. Having come from ornamental hort when I came here is that mm-hmm. at least there was like a, a blueprint almost like if, if you plant this, this will come. Or if you plant this, it likes this like ornamental right. hort. It's all subjective. It's all. Does that look the way I want it to look? Am I making this pretty? Like you're creating like a piece of art, but not necessarily right. something that's functioning. Right. <laughs> it looks good, right. but it may not really be doing anything other than right. looking good. Um, other than good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this yeah. at least it's, you know, there's the science behind it, but I agree. It, you don't have to get scientific about it. It mm-hmm. can just, it, if right. you can boil it down to the, the simplest terms, where someone can understand it, they can be successful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, you do the, 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 um, the empty, the empty lot type of, uh, experiment. Say you have a, a lot, right. An empty lot and you just have just grass there. Right. Versus, uh, an empty lot full of so-called weeds, which, which lot, um, insects, and animals are going to be more attracted to, you know, this, 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 um, this perfect, uh, you know, uh, space where you just have a, 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 a carved up lawn or you're going to have something or, or they're going to be attracted to this lawn that has all of these grasses and weeds growing to it. And you'll see that the, that, that the, um, the area where it's all kind of wild, that's going to attract the most insects and animals. 
versus one that's been um, uh, uh, maintained and everything like that and fertilized and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. You want to attract the wildlife, um, you can do that um, by um, planting or emulating nature, but you can make it look pretty at the same time too. And And what makes it look pretty is the insects and the animals that it attracts because the insects and animals are colorful. You know, they're flying around, they're doing their thing, they're eating, it's like 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 a perfect example, like in my backyard, right? Let me tell you something. And and I know it's, it's happening in your backyard too. There's a huge party back there. You have birds out there singing. You have birds out there um, bathing. You have birds out there mating. You have birds out there, uh, uh, um, you know, um, um, probing for insects. Um, you have birds out there fighting. I mean, it's like a, it's like you in a club. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, I mean, you have birds out there doing their thing. You yeah. have birds out there actually doing their thing, having fun. Because uh, um, when you, when you um, design your yard like that, that's what it's all about. And it's and it's and it's too bad it's not that many, um, you know, uh, places like that on the block. You know, and so just imagine if every every um, backyard was like your backyard, friend. Okay. Just imagine. That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. That would be. That would be. <laughs> I love your perspective, and that's what it baffles me that there's not more people doing what you what mm-hmm. you do. Uh, it, it it blows my mind, and I especially love your your thoughts about it and and how you approach it because you're you're talking like an environmentalist yeah. that's actually Ooh. providing a, a a service to to a homeowner, which you don't you kind of have that. That disconnect. You have the environmentalists that are telling people to do it, and then they have nowhere to turn to mm-hmm. or no one to help them do it. Yep. Yeah, it's just like for for example, like today, it's a rainy day over here in New York. It's pouring down raining. It's not just the the, the plants and animals that the, the that the um, that the um, the native. It's not just the animals and insects that the native plants can attract. But what can it do for your yard? It can retain. It can retain water. It's good on erosion. Is is uh, makes your yard smell good? You know what I mean. Um, it, it'll clean the pollutants out of the air. You know this is what native plants do, and so it's 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 like a three hundred and sixty degree of of niceness that's going around when you <laughs> native plants. You don't have to maintain them; they'll propagate themselves through um, through uh, animals. I mean, it's just an overall um, um, balance, and they'll give you just thera- they'll give you therapy as well. So um, that that's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's just not. It it it, 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 it serves its um, purpose around your property, around your home. You know, it'll protect yeah. your home. Yeah. That is a perfect way to sum it up. I'm yeah, just yeah. looking, just for the sake of time, because we could talk to you all day, but I should probably start to wrap it up. We always, had, since you were talking about all the benefits of native plants, we always kind of end the podcast the same way. But we're going to throw an extra question at you as well. So we typically always, the, our last question is. What's your favorite native plant? But we're also going to throw in there. What's your favorite native bird? All right, my it's hard to pick a native uh, a favorite native plant, but I would say um, black elderberry. That's my favorite native plant because it produces berry berries uh, quick, right? It um, it 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 it's a nice looking shrub. When it flowers, it has a really good uh, fragrance to it. It attracts all different kinds of uh, pollinators and bio, ins- bio uh, conservation, biological control insects. Um, the birds love it. 
the the small birds love it, like the uh, um, uh, the um, hat birds love it, chickadees love it, cardinals love the berries. So um, it's one of my favorites, and and it's good on uh, soil erosion. So that's one of my favorite um, uh, native plants. That's a great choice. Well, it, yeah. it, there's because there's. If you think of even like the antioxidants, if 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 you want to oh, eat yeah. the berries or or like Thomas fried the flowers and brought them in, mm-hmm. like uh, elderflower fritters, like yeah. uh, so much, and it makes a pretty good. Like I I love uh, elderflower vodka also. So, friends, <laughs> oh, oh, <man. laughs> ready for the club too. <laughs> He's ready. You're gonna open a club in your backyard. <laughs> I have to come up for a good name, come up with a good name for it now. Um, All right. Favorite native bird? It's got to be the downy woodpecker. Nice. I love the woodpecker because it it, it, uh, eats the termites that are around my home. Um, (laughs) And also, it's considered a songbird, but it doesn't sing. It drums. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, so it's it's, kind of unique, kind of like in a business that we're in. All right. You're 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 making noise, but you're making noise in an organic way, in a different way. You know, you're not singing, but you're drumming, and and that drum sound could go further than somebody singing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that drum, that drum sound you can hear for miles. Mm-hmm. If I if I'm whistling or if I'm singing or whatever, it's like you can hear me within maybe a couple of yards, or maybe even uh, yeah, within a couple of yards. But if I'm if I have a drum and I'm drumming. You can hear for uh, probably a mile, a mile away, you know. So that's that's you know that's that's why it's one of my uh, favorites. I'm making noise, but um, uh, my noise is loud. It's not as it's it's louder than yours. You're making sweet noises, but I'm making um, my noise is more powerful than yours. But um, you know, so that's why I like the uh, the downy woodpecker. Man, that's a great. That's yeah. a great perspective that I hadn't thought of either. That's a great way to put it because you're yeah, right. You guys, can. You guys are making. You guys are making a, a lot of noise, and with those five gallon pots that you guys, I, I, I'm going to get my hands on those because <laughs> people people want instant landscapes right now. A lot yeah. of people don't have. They don't want to wait. They want the berries like right now. The birds they need them right now. The insects they need that pollen right now. They don't have. They really don't have the time to wait because what's happening is that the the the, the, the you know. Um, these invasives are just like taking over like crazy. So um, we need to get those things. We need to get those plants out there, planted, put them in. Especially when it comes to shrubs, we need to get them, them shrub the shrub layer going because there's plenty of trees. But that shrub layer, we need to really start focusing on the native shrubs, getting them down, and um, letting the birds have fun, man. You know, let the party continue. Awesome, get that club rocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Get it rocking. Um, all right. So we always end with final thoughts, and, and we'll start with you. And this is where we kind of hand the floor over to you, and you can use the time however you'd like. You can summarize. You can promote uh, however you want to use it. The floor is yours. Well, I appreciate you guys for um, you know having me on and stuff like that. And this is great. You know, that you guys got this uh, uh, podcast going because all it's going to do is send a message out there. And um, so. Um, my thing is, I'm just uh, keep doing what I'm doing, keep putting those habitats down, and uh, I just hope that the big box stores they just stay in their lane, stay in their place. You know, sell those, sell those annuals, sell those cultivars, but let the native plant community 
keep their keep their uh, glitch going and don't stop them from growing. Stay in your lane. We stay in our lane. That's it. Nobody's telling you you must sell this. You must sell that. Do what you do. Make your money. But at the same time, you gotta um, uh, leave the native plant nurseries alone. Let them do that thing. Let them promote. Don't say they're bad or anything like that. <laughs> you know, just let us do what we do and just um, have fun. Because all, all we need, what, is like 4% of what you're making and we're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't want it all. Just, just 4%. That's it. We're all right. So just leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. Yeah. We don't tell you what to sell. You don't tell us what to sell. There you go. So, yeah, so that's the thing. I just, uh, you know, just, you know, hope that, you know, uh, people, as time goes along, they get more and more educated about uh, native plants and that it's a must. You have to. It's not like, I mean, uh, do you want to? No, you have to plant native plants in your backyard. You know, you have to do it. This is something that you have to do, you know. Um, So I just want people to know that, you know, uh, it's an emergency and you got to do what you got to do. You got to do your part, you know, Um, because if you don't, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble as it is. I mean, just just do your part. Purchase the plant, put it in the ground, leave it alone. That you know that reminds me of uh, Dr. Dwayne Estes. His favorite, mm-hmm. like whenever he's talking to someone about it, he just goes TikTok, TikTok. Time mm-hmm. is time is moving. We don't have much time. You got to do it now. Right. Got to do it now. Awesome. Got to do it. That is a, a fantastic final thought, Tom. Yeah. Do you want to go? Or you want me to go? Uh, I'll let you go, friend. All right. So my my final thought is I'm thrilled that that Tim came on with us for this podcast, and I'm thrilled at the work that Tim does. We hear from listeners all the time that I can't find someone to do this or I, I have nowhere to go. So here's someone that you can go to. If you're in Tim's area, we're going to share all of Tim's contact info and links. Support what Tim is doing. The, we need more people doing this kind of work. And I'm throwing the gauntlet down. If if this is what you want, you have to support this type of business. So we're going to list his information. If you're in Tim's area, contact him. Find out the kind of work he does and what he can do for you and help you because we want to see more businesses like this yeah. and see them thrive and be successful. Yeah, that's really well said, Fran. Thank you. Um, mine is, is, is uh, going back a little bit. Um, when I was, I started looking up the Zika stuff or West yeah. Nile stuff, and it's like it, so much. I just remember as a kid how much this was like pounded in your head that this is such a threat, and you look it up and it's like it's and I'm, it is a threat in a sense, but it's like a few thousand total cases a year. Most of those, the people don't even know that they had it, uh, and there's a handful that are deadly a year. But it's like. We gotta wake up in a sense and realize that there's, it's an we can't overreact to minor things and because that overreaction is causing so much damage in, in other facets of our lives, um, or facets of other people's lives that we just don't know about yet, or other things' lives like birds and insects and all that. So, um, yeah, I, we gotta support, like you said, we gotta support businesses like this, um, and yeah, that's. That's about it. I got. I went down a little rabbit hole there when I was like, I've said all this, and I'm not sure if I was right with it. But it's it's like you think about how many people are in this country, and 
we're we're freaking out and we've been doing the the aerial spraying and all that and it's i don't know if it helps or not it's it's still we're still talking about it today so it's yeah. uh for something that popped up in 1999 and it's still an issue and still becomes the first actually thing I found out was NBC. I looked up West Nile, New Jersey, and there's a handful of cases and, but it's NBC, uh, the local NBC affiliate saying, Oh, be, be careful because this is the time for West Nile. It's like a scaring people for, and it's such a, a relatively minor thing compared to car accidents, other things of that nature. So, well, I, you know, and, and just, you know, I, there there's ways to balance the ecosystem yeah. and there's 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 ways not to. Yeah. So yeah. listen to the to the advice that we give in a way that you can kinda you you're you're getting hit with a lot of information from a lot of different places and you can trust whichever mm-hmm. side you want. Yeah. Um there's and, and that I started saying so there's so many people that are just after your eyes, after your dollars. The news is after your eyes because they're getting paid for your for your eyes. And I'd I'd be remiss to say that we we're not doing this to try and make money as well. We've never made but, a, a penny from that. Well, I'm not necessarily pocket, but it's it's yeah. we're promoting native plants. We sell native plants. Yeah. The more people are well, interested in native true. plants, the more people are, eventually it's gonna trickle down to us. But it's we're also selling the message that if we don't do something about this, insects are in peril, birds are in peril, the climate's in peril. There's so many things that are relying on uh, on us to as humans to make a change here that that helps the planet, and it all kind of boils down to you start planting native plants in your backyard or in your parks or that kind of stuff. Well, it starts to make a difference. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not yeah. We, are we profiting on this? The more the more people that are into native plants, True. we're seeing it already. The other people are going to get into native plants as well. But uh, mm-hmm. but we're selling a bigger message than just buy our product. Yeah. Um, it's there's more play here. So, but you have yeah. a, a huge advocate here in Tim, and yep. like I said, like I the biggest complaint is, oh, I have no one to turn to. I have no business that does this. I'm kind of on my own. I can't find the plants. Exactly. You have an advocate right here. Su- support this type of business if you want this type of business, and I, I'm even if you're not particularly that close to Tim, reach out to Tim. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd love to expand if. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> awesome. I, awesome. I, I appreciate you guys for uh, uh, having me on. You know, this is great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank so you for just, coming on. I I, oh, yeah. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation today. Thank you. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to Tim Mack from Birdscaping Industries, Inc. For more information, visit his website, which is birdscapingindustries.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Uh, thank you to the egocentric plastic men for contributing our theme music. Uh, and also thank you to Dave Bennett for our Native Plant Anthem. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or also at Pinelands Nursery, and also YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget about the question and comment line. You can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. We'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And don't forget to join the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Uh, A lot of new members and a lot of kindness, and I appreciate all the comments and uh, content Mm -hmm. there. So you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. And uh, 
there's all kinds of t-shirts, phone cases, aprons, all kinds of stuff up there. And you just heard Fran say, we don't make a cent off this. He's not lying. We t- Well, I guess we, we harbor that money for a short period of time until we can give it away to someone else <laughs> who we feel is more deserving than us is doing some really good boots on the ground stuff with Native Plants as a nonprofit. Um, and, and we're really glad that we can help support them even just a small little bit. And then you guys get a, a great message on your T-shirt out of it as well. So, oh, Speaking of, of uh, good content, Tim's got fantastic shirts and mugs. Every time I see you posting something, I'm like, I, I have to have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so, great merchandise. Yeah. And then you can listen to Native Plants, Healthy Planet uh, really wherever you're listening right now, which is either Apple Podcast, Spotify, not Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Yeah. Um, Wherever you consume podcasts, you can hear us there. So if you've been thinking of switching, you can move wherever and, and you'll be able yeah. to find us too. You yes. won't lose us just because you're, you're switching platforms. No. Um, but do us a favor, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, but Spotify as well. If you can do us a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and uh, if you do a little write-up with that five-star review, uh, I give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes, which I have a whole list for we our next Buzz. have a lot buzz, of shout-outs so. next Buzz. Yeah. Or I guess it's actually technically our last Buzz. I have yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah, it's we're, good. <laughs> we're recording that one tomorrow, so we'll get there. <laughs> but so all right. Well, with that, thank you everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your busy thank schedule. You. Much, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. Much appreciated. Coming up next week, we will have a brand new uh buzz episode. Make sure you tune in for that. And until then, keep it native. Woods, wetlands, and dales grows a bounty of beauty that never fails. Our native plants, so diverse and so rare, treasures of our land beyond compare. From the friends below, soaring oaks above. Each plant has a place, each plant is love. Modern caterpillars, moss, milk, wheat, so tall. These buzz about, sifting methods fall. Oh, native plants, how do you grace this land? In your diversity, we will take a stand. To preserve our generations to come, may beauty and potency second to none. To protect and preserve the earth, to restore the native plant food that you just can't ignore. Golden rod, asters, and flowers galore. Menard is so stunning, can't help but adore. Your colors, the fragrance, a feast for the eyes. Their value to wild, like no need to disguise. Native plants, how you grace this land. In your diversity, we will take a stand. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.